0: go to www.worldofinknetwork.com or visit us on our Facebook and Twitter pages. Thank you for your support and enjoy the show.
1: Hello, everybody. It's uh, Marcia Cook, and it's a good story, is a good story from the World of Ink Network, and this is a little earlier than I usually have shows, and I kind of like this time, so um, I hope you do, too, but it's also archived, so anytime you want to listen to it, you can go on uh, www.marshacaspercook.com or World of Ink Network, and now Blog Talk has... Um, as a new system where all the shows are listed, so it's, it's it's really pretty good. I don't have to even keep you know doing it; they do it automatically. So this should be a really good show. And I would you know it's very interesting. I do a lot of shows, and uh, one of my friends, I said I'm doing this afternoon show, and we're doing historical romance. I said these are one of my favorite shows, and I don't do historical romance, however. I really like it because it's such a detailed way to write and every time Lee Michaels is on and uh, Ginger Monet is on, but every time Lee has been on, she gives such insight onto characters and um she emailed me and thought ginger would be a great person to meet and i'm so glad i did meet her because we had a conversation and you're going to really enjoy both of them because um it's so interesting because i know people are always in a hurry when they're writing they want to finish the book get it out but sometimes we don't finish off our characters as well so we'll probably touch on some of these things that we've not really touched on our shows before and i'm going to bring both of them out and they're going to introduce them they you know introduce themselves and say what they do but um as unusual as it will be i think i should do that because i'm listen to some of my shows and i like catch it in the middle i am um, a children's author a a screenwriter i write adult fiction in novella form and uh, some are sexier and some are funnier and i i begin to like uh now I'm liking writing as a dog, so I usually I am adding dogs to my character to my <laughs> stories, and I find it much easier to talk as a dog sometimes and and because a dog can say anything they want, and so that's what happens and uh i'm I'm loving that so um my next one will be it's never too late. I have that screenplay, but now I added a dog, and I'm really liking it and The other day I was walking down the street and I see this dog, and it's a cavalier, and I'm going like, "Oh, I feel like it's my dog." right <laughs> I don't have a Cavalier, but I feel like I'm getting so into it. I always write with, like, schnauzers, because I had schnauzers. But, uh, so it's kind of interesting to do that. But uh, today they will discuss what they do, and we've opened the discussion, so both of them will be able to ask questions to each other, which I've done for the last few shows. And I really like that because um, it, it's hard if I have ten people on a show, but when I have it like this, it, it's really nice so they can ask each other questions because, um, there may be things that they wanna know about them and I will say there is a show next Tuesday night, my show with uh Owen Parr and uh Mike Pettit and this is about this is Thriller show, a thriller and it's it's gonna be very interesting. I've not had um well, I have one of these for a long while. So that will be next week at 7.30 p.m. And I may start doing the shows in the afternoon uh, at this time because I, I really am enjoying this um, because um, this way I'm already done for the day. You know, it's I, I'm so busy when we're having shows posting, this makes me stop a little <laughs> and do this. So I think I'm going to introduce them both, and it's going to be a great show. And um, here we go. Lee? Hi, Lee. Thank Thank you, Marcia, for having me on. I'm so glad Um, to have you again.
2: (laughs) I um, have been a writer for many, many years. I started out with Harlequin and wrote 80 Sweet Traditional Contemporaries for Harlequin. Got a bit burned out after that and decided to take a break. And then when I came back to writing, I started writing historicals, uh, Regency Period England, which is eighteen eleven eighteen twenty. 1820. And uh, writing what is almost romantic comedy set in that period. I I, uh, call them uh, sassy and sophisticated because they are, uh, most of my stories are triple stories. They have three heroes, three heroines, three stories going on that are interlocking at the time. So that's what I'm doing. I also have, I'm the author of Unwriting Romance, which is. the, it's been called the definitive guide to writing romance novels, and so I do some writing about writing and uh, and for romance writers, advice guides, and that kind of thing. And I also write lo- local history, so
1: it keeps me busy, keeps me uh, keeps me entertained. Yes, definitely. There's no doubt. And there's audio books also that you have. Yes, I've
2: done uh, a lot of my books as audio books. Audio, so it's very good. All right, okay, Ginger.
1: Hi, Ginger. How are you? so nice to have you on.
3: Hi.
1: Thank you so much for having me today. Well, Well, I I kind of feel like
3: the rookie here. Um,
1: Not really. uh, Not really. I don't (laughs) think so.
3: Tell (laughs) everybody what you've done so far.
1: You've done a lot.
3: Um, I write historical fiction, and my most recent release, which is called Darcy's Hope, is a two-book saga, which was actually inspired by Downton Abbey. It's kind of a Pride and Prejudice meets Downton Abbey I've taken uh, Jane Austen's iconic uh, Fitzwilliam Darcy and Elizabeth Bennet, but set them in the era of Downton Abbey, and the romance unfolds on the Western front of World War I in a field hospital. And if anybody's been paying attention to the news, they may have noticed that um, this year, this very month, in fact, America is commemorating its 100th anniversary of participation in World War I, so it's kind of a timeless story. Um, while Absolutely I was researching, on time. Yeah. Yes, and uh, while I was researching, I became so interested in World War One that I actually just recently started a World War One blog called Blighty and Beyond, which kind of focused on the um, evacuation chain of medical patients, how they went from being wounded on the field and how they moved through all these stages to through the um, medical system um, to get well. So kind of two completely separate things, but so my writing career is actually a new hobby, and, um, and in writing romance, I have also kind of developed a passion for the craft of writing and romance in particular. I read a full-length uh, romance novel every Sunday afternoon and take notes on everything I read, and it's been a fantastic teaching tool, so hopefully we
1: can share some of that today. Yeah, that, that's a great that's, idea. That's a good idea. It, it
2: really is a good t- teaching tool. That's how I taught myself to write, because... In the era that I was starting, there there really weren't any classes, and there wasn't even uh, rgba existed, but it wasn't widespread yet. There really wasn't a lot of way to to um, to learn how to do it. And so I would I would read the books that were out there and say, oh, I wonder why she did it this way. I wonder what would have happened if she did it exactly. this way instead, and and diagnose you know why the author made the choices that she did, and and how that worked for the book. It's an excellent way to learn.
1: I, th- I think it sounds you know, really good um, because it's that's how you get to be in depth and and that's the problem now. I think a lot of uh people that are writing it doesn't they're really not writing in depth and you don't feel anything for the characters and a reader is supposed mm-hmm. to want to talk about the characters so much that they're enjoying them and that's what every author likes to hear is somebody talking about their characters in real life you know as though as they're a person. real people
2: yeah yes
1: as to as us they, they are
2: life yeah yes i'm I find the um the, it, it's interesting because it used to be that the cutoff date for historical romance was 1900. And I think as we get further away from that time period, like, you know, it's now a hundred years since world war one, we're more, more able to look at it as an interesting historical period and less like right. oh, they wouldn't have done things like that. So, you know, I think as the time goes on, the, the, uh, historical world, world of, of historical romance fiction will expand and I think you're on the cutting edge, Ginger, with the with the World War One stuff.
1: Yeah, I, well, I think thank it's you. Great. And, you know, yeah, and having I, a blog I, like that, a blog would, is a great idea for that. Yeah.
3: Well, I just had learned so many interesting things about the people then, um, and it, the war. When I started studying, I thought, oh, this is going to be so much boring dates and you know the battles and all that sort of thing. But I really needed to have a good feel for the whole culture of the era. Uh, The the Mm -hmm. social culture, the you know the roles of men and women, and um, just the whole thing. But I just found the people were so much richer than what I expected. And we've heard so much about how the World War II generation was the greatest generation, and here in the U.S., uh, World War One is passed over and hardly given a nod in school. And I had just had my eyes open and been so impressed with their not only their, um, their knowledge of what they were able to do without computers, but also just their um, fortitude and spirit and just the way how they persevered in a in very, very difficult situation. So it's
2: been very inspiring. That's a great way to do the research um, to create wonderful characters is to look at real people, not so exactly. much to base characters on them. But to um, when you look at real people, you get the full dimension. And then as you develop a character, it's easier to let that person achieve more dimensions and, and not just be uh, the, the hero who's full of lust and doesn't ever feel anything else and the heroine who's got her, her own agenda but you know nothing, nothing else seems to get through to her. We're, we're not simple uh, real people and, and characters shouldn't be simple either.
1: Right, that's a really exactly. good point. Um, yeah, that really, is.
2: Even
3: for you, for what you write, I um, the first novel I wrote was set in the Regency era, and it is not an easy era to write romance in. the um, The culture of the day is so strict, and um, so why don't why don't you tell us a little bit about how how that's been for you? How do you stay within the confines of the culture and still have a romance when it was kind of taboo even for a man and a woman to yeah, God, yeah
1: i i was talking about you was, the other day i talked about you on one of my shows Lee, because i was saying that your audiobook when you listen to the audiobook and you're hearing all the sex scenes you put in and, and people are thinking they did in years before it wasn't like it is now but that's not true <laughs> it definitely well, is a really not
2: to, it's not yeah, true yeah. um right. people were certainly more more careful and 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 people were um were certainly more attentive to reputation and and that sort of thing. And in some ways, I think it makes the era more romantic because yes. Yes. you know secrets yes. secrets can yes. be very romantic. Yes, and you know having that hidden little um, little little romance going on that you can't tell anybody about, you know that kind of thing is is. Is quite intriguing, but in an era, of the Regency period, it wasn't. It was unheard of for an unmarried man and woman to touch each other without gloves on, and so you know that that can make it very, very much more intense than when something happens that they do. Yeah, yeah, that's
1: an interesting I, point. I, You're right. It, that is interesting. Yes.
3: You it know, because I think that it, it,
1: it's, it's so romantic, you know, you're right, when it's a secretive, you know, because when people mm-hmm. are watching soap operas or dramas, any of those, and when they're the only ones that know and the other person doesn't know, it's so exciting. They're going, like, When are they going to find out? You know,
0: are they haven't yeah. to give yes. it.
1: You know, and it makes it, you know, so exciting then i think that's a good point to put that secrets yes i think i I Mm might notes myself because i think that that makes a great point and and something that people can keep in their mind when they're writing yes keep it a secret
3: which which kind of dovetails into another um, interesting writing um, plotting device which is is to not reveal everything right up front having some secrets from the reader about a character's backstory yeah. and kind of yeah. dropping hints here and there that kind of whet their appetite um, exactly. and also kind of help bait the reader to keep turning the page too. As,
1: See, as that's, that's a very good it, point. You know, can, can I just say one thing about that? That's a really good yeah. point because I think a lot of people when they're writing, you know, they uh, – it's like sometimes when people look at the first page, they want – You know, they're looking at a book, and if it doesn't really go like, oh, smack them right in the face, but that is really so wrong, and that's one of the problems is that an author has, they're so busy trying to make that first couple pages, like they push everything that they think should happen, and it doesn't give the reader enough time, and because our society is so fast, and when you're looking at a, like, you turn on the TV, and if in two minutes they're not engrossed in it, mm-hmm. they go, oh, let's change the channel. So <laughs> mm-hmm. how do you, yeah. you and both, both of you are good at what you do, how do you start it where you make people so interested that they're going to keep going? But I think your audience, though, is a unique audience, historical romance readers. They get it. I think that's probably the problem.
2: Some, but we're always that's reaching to try, to try to bring new readers in. And in order to bring yeah. a new reader in, you have to make her comfortable in that world. So that's the way that, that I do it is to start with a moment yeah. of interest, um, but not of extreme action. Because I'm okay. finding these days that there are a lot of books where authors have tried to start with such intense action to grab the reader's attention. But in fact, what's happening is it's totally confusing, and I, I don't care. I don't care, and if I don't care what's happening on the first page, then I don't get on to page two or three because there are many other books out there. So it's sort of a balancing act between using all the background, which is the intri- which is the thing that the writer knows best, and so there's this terrific temptation to pour out all this backstory in the first chapter,
1: yeah, yeah. because
2: after all, we know that, and surely the reader needs to know that too. Well, <laughs> no, she doesn't. She doesn't even want to know that. She wants to wait until she's intrigued with the character, until she's involved with the character, until she needs to know that. And again, that's like real life because how often have you known somebody for five years, ten years, worked at the cubicle (laughs) next (laughs) to them for for a month, and suddenly you find out, oh, I didn't know that,
1: talking to a friend
2: the other night. I have known her for well for 15 years, and she dropped something on me that I had never known about her.
1: Yep, and, yep.
2: you know, the, this is it, it, we're, we're almost as close as sisters, and I had never known that. So that's the way that should be with characters, too. Unveil them slowly. Show the reader only what she needs to know. And wait until her tongue is hanging out to find out what really happened between them five years ago or, you know, what really made this, this person the way they are. Right. Well, I is
3: um, kind of a variation on what you're talking about. In, um, in my Darcy's Hope novel, I have the, the main hero character reveal that he made a promise to the heroine's father.
0: And but then how he's the lamenting, is? but what I don't tell him what the
3: promise was? is. Not, exactly. you know, not yet. So yeah. it's like yeah. you, you kind of drop a little something like that. And, of course, their next thought in their mind is, oh, my goodness, what was it that he promised? Um, and and that you know the kind the
1: of page helped to find out right, mm-hmm. yeah, see, I think that's what readers I think they need to take the time, and I do think that 's why the historical market is you know such a very you know they they really wait for their authors to come out with something new because they like the style, and as a person like myself who did screenplays, this is a hindrance for me because. Actually, it made me a better writer by doing screenplays, but it also made me lose some of that background that because in a screenplay you don't do that all the time. And so mm-hmm. I find, like, after I'm done with the book, like, let's say I did a novella, which I did, uh, Guilty Pleasures, and so then I realized that, oh, one of the characters was from another character. They were sisters in another One that I wrote. And I didn't even think about it till it was done. And so I think that's what happens. An author should give herself a little time, or him, time to get to know their characters well, but maybe even at the end of their book, find something unique about them to carry on for another book. A lot of times you do find that out. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Because you don't always always know it. You can't know everything. Mm Mm-hmm.
2: Well, I, I had a um, – sometimes, sometimes characters keep secrets even
1: from the author. Yes. Yes, exactly. I was just, That's exactly the way to put that. Exactly. You're right. That's exactly right. I, and a only gal the authors, authors kind know of my, that. Yeah.
3: Yes, a, a gal that mentored me, she told me, you know, she kind of warned me as I was, you know, Great. writing my first novel. She said, oftentimes, you know, the characters kind of dictate – where the story is going, and that they do things and kind of you know take you down roads do where you things. weren't had yeah they refused to do things when you the author had no fun. I thought, what is she talking about? Right You're not? That's exactly right.
1: <laughs> you go, how did that happen? You know, and, and that's that really what happens. And I think that's the fun of writing. And I think for myself. Um, Because I do write quite, you know, I don't write as descriptive as I need to. That's what I was saying before, is why I like to listen to historical romance authors talking, because I know I don't, and a lot of other people don't either. And I think what makes historical romance so good is you, you're you right in there. I mean, you are in their home, you're in their bedroom, you're yes. wherever they are the, because you're describing society, everything.
2: Yeah, the society becomes a character in the historical okay. romance. Yes. yes. And, and that's why doing the research is so important because... A lot of people think that all they have to do is read three Regency romances and they can write it,
0: and they I haven't think.
2: got any kind of idea of what really, the reasons behind some of the society rules and how yeah. those actually functioned. And I often see stories, um, especially self-published ones, where the author has gotten it totally wrong. She thinks it means one thing and it means something else because she hasn't gone deeply enough into the research.
1: And it so you research, the era, it do you matters, research by it other books, or do you just go? Do you go online and research for um, uh, just uh, books about writing that way, or do you think more I've, of if they read if they read other books, they'll get the picture? How will they get this? That, that's the how will they get better? Not,
2: you have to go. You have to go back to the original resources. Um, mm-hmm. For one thing, biographies of the people who lived at the time, diaries. They've been published.
1: Yeah, Letters I love have diaries. Been published. Yeah.
2: The things, yeah, I things yeah, that, that yeah. come exactly from that time. Uh, you don't get it by reading other other pieces of fiction. You can get some some flavors, some ideas, some, some directions to look. But the best way to get the, the official, um, to understand the whole That's culture great, yeah. Is, yeah. is to go directly to the source, the, the, bi- the biographies, the biographies, the diaries, the letters, the newspapers of the time, that kind of thing. One of the things I I have is is the original, um, a reproduction of the original Encyclopedia Britannica, which was in all of three volumes, and it is not only hysterical reading, but it's an excellent reference because it tells you what
1: people (laughs) thought at that time.
2: Mm. Oh, that's
1: interesting. Wow. Mm -hmm. That would not have been a
3: research material that I would have thought of, but it's it's an outstanding idea.
1: Yeah. 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 Okay, I'm writing all these. Lines. Go ahead, girls, <laughs> ladies. Uh, no, I think that you know. I think that that's really true because you know when authors are talking, even on my show, we don't talk about this and enough, you know. And I think mm-hmm. because sometimes they're not as in depth either with their characters, because they're so busy getting 20 books out in a year, which is, I can't yep. imagine people do this, and they do. And I, for me, I you know, and I'm a very fast-paced person, but not when I write, because mm-hmm. I can't be. I have to fit in, and if it's not, like, you know, I think I mentioned this to Ginger when I was talking, her. when I do screenplays, which I haven't done a new one in a while, but... I on one line. I could have done it twenty, thirty times till I get that right word, you know. And mm-hmm. a- every time I say, "Oh, this will be, this will take me n- no time at all," it ends up taking me forever.
0: <laughs> then I, you oh know, yes, yeah, me too. Yeah, we've
1: yeah. all. I'm sure we've all done that. Oh, it's only going to take a minute. That you know, and that's oh, not yeah. true. And and, and people don't understand. And I've taken half. Yeah, I've go taken ahead. half a day looking up just the name of a specific
2: carriage because I know you think you think, <laughs> I you think I okay, know. I saw this used in another book, but that doesn't mean that it was accurate. And so you right. go look it up, and maybe that that person didn't live until the eighteen fifties, and I'm writing about the eighteen tens. Okay, yeah,
1: well, yeah, can't call it yeah. Right. that. Yeah. It's so important in the genre, how you you know, in this genre that it is right because people, you know, certainly with reviews, whatever, they'll call you out and that's the last thing any if author they wants know. to do. And yeah, if they know. Right,
3: Regency if they know, readers right. generally if know but know. you know, I um yeah. I found the same thing, Lee, in um researching for World War One, which was not just the culture of the era but the whole war machine which was I, I mm-hmm. looking back, I think so I was so naive. Um, But I learned very quickly that diaries were really the only way to get factual information. But reading diaries, diaries are not written to a future audience. They are written to the audience
2: either for someone's own. own. Mm -hmm.
3: Right. And so they assume a knowledge of cultural mores and um, current events and roles of men and women. So Mm -hmm. I have to... Read and read and read and read. I mean, tons of reading before a vague picture of life begins to emerge, but it was very long and tedious. I spent nine months reading about six hours a day, making tedious notes before um, a real image of life back then began to emerge. Um, and so I can imagine it's it's very similar, too, in the um, Regency era. And like you were saying, that so much of the Regency era, you know, how they address people, the, the proper way to address people with titles. All of that is very important, and if you get it wrong, people are going to know.
2: Right. If you get it wrong, people know, and that and that diminishes everything else you've said. Right. Once, right. Once you're caught in an error, then then everything else goes by the wayside. Sometimes I was, I was going to comment too about the World War One thing. It's not only sometimes what you know, what the author knows from research. It's proving to the to the reader that you know more than she does, because we all have certain uh, understanding of a particular historical period. It may not be accurate, but but we all know, you know, that this happened during World War One. And so, hmm. if it in fact <clears throat> didn't, and the author is making that point, you not only have to be right, you have to convince the reader that you're right,
0: right by answering
2: yeah. her questions before she can ask them. I did right. I find challenge. that that the historical
3: backdrop could actually be a hindrance. Now, writing in this particular um, era, there's not a whole lot of literature, and it does not have the popularity um, that the Regency era has. Now, because mine is a Pride mm-hmm. and Prejudice crossover, there is a pretty big market for readers who love to see these two characters, Fitzwilliam Darcy and Elizabeth Bennet, in you know any kind of situation that people will put them in. But the my reader's knowledge of this era was, Pretty much mine, which is about zero. So, mm-hmm. one thing that I found very difficult was to try to immerse people in this era without drowning them in it. Um, yeah, give them what they was, needed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, give them enough to what they need and to feel yeah. like I knew what I was talking about and to feel like, you know, to be interested in the era without feeling like, oh my gosh, just get on with the story. Yeah, so, see am yeah,
2: reading a right, textbook here. I didn't intend to read a textbook. <laughs> yeah, because well, you're, exactly. right, you're trying
1: to give exactly. them the story that they want, but you're also trying to, you know, do a lot of things. And I think people don't realize when an author is writing, there's so much involved in it that, you know, we think sometimes we can do it with other things on our mind and then we know we can't because when we do, it doesn't turn out right and then we have to do it again because then we go, what were we thinking? This does not sound right at all. You you need to concentrate and um, I think a lot of writers don't concentrate on what they're doing. Yeah. You know they're just so busy, and I know a lot of times on my shows I can tell when people are uh, on Facebook or Twitter and when they're answering and when they're not and i i don't I can't do that. We used to have uh, a lot of chats and um chat room, and i when we had two people doing it, it was okay, but I am listening to my authors and if i'm that are talking about, you know, on my shows or whatever, screenwriters, whatever. And if I'm writing something online, how am I going to ask them a question if I missed what they said? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. You know, and um,
2: something that you just said there prompted me to go back to something we've been talking about earlier. And that is how, as we're writing, you know, we have to keep so many balls in the air at the same time. We're not only yeah. dealing with giving yeah. the reader the, the necessary historical background. It's, dealing with the plot and the conflict and what the villain's up to, but developing the the relationship between the hero and the heroine. And, Kendra, you were talking about that earlier, you know, how easy it is to overlook that. You want to expand on that? I would be happy to. Thank you. Um, As I was saying, I read a
3: full-length novel every Sunday afternoon, and a couple of things really stand out to me um, that I feel like authors miss sometimes. And one of those is that they have plenty of attraction and plenty of fireworks between the couple, but that's it. There's not much relationship and I wanna feel I wanna see intimacy. Intimacy that's more than just a physical intimacy. I wanna feel like the couple can go the distance and not fall
1: apart when <laughs> Right. You know, when life gets tough. Right if life gets tough right and life does get tough for our characters and ourselves you know and that's mm-hmm. one of the things that people you know yeah. over the years with harlequin at the you know many years ago they want they gave you a certain way that they wanted it i remember when i first started out and they wanted this to turn out happy and everything would be right and then sometimes it can't always be perfect and that's changed a lot, I think, wouldn't you say, Lee, now that, you know, at the beginning, I think Early, everybody... Yeah. Yeah, Early, I used on, to get things, had, yeah. Early on, we had a lot
2: of Harlequins where the yes. hero would, you know, he'd be, you know, this, this gritting his teeth, you little fool, all the way through the thing, and then the long <laughs> last page says, you know, I really have loved you all along. And she says, oh, that's wonderful, and then they walk off into the sunset. And today's reader is really not satisfied with that because, right. like Ginger said, we want to see the development of a right. relationship, not only of the love interest, but, you know, it isn't, it isn't good sex that gets you through the, through the days when the baby's screaming all night. You, you have to have way exactly. more than that to make for a satisfying, happy ending and for the reader to believe that this couple are together not only now, but they're going to make it through the tough spots and they're still going to be together to celebrate their golden anniversary.
1: Yeah, because but they as can – right, right, Yeah. Right.
3: But as an author, you ask yourself, well, how do you do that? Because exactly. in a real-life relationship, it just yeah. – it's slow, and it kind of happens. so I made It does a, a become complicated of,
1: because their lives are as complicated as their own.
3: Really? So how do we do that as authors? And so one thing um, I observed, I found this in a TV show, and, a lot, and we use this a lot as authors, is to have one character expose a vulnerability about themselves, kind of a deep dark secret, and let the other um, character accept them in spite of it. In spite that of it, yes. Yeah. Which yeah, is a good nice idea,
1: you know. Uh, there, you know, I, I'm going to read something for one second that we were talking about this. I just I had it on my desk. You know, when I did the show, I don't know if you've watched Big Little Lies. It was all about secrets and secrets and secrets. And I looked at the, you know, because the storyline and logline are so hard to come up with. And sometimes if you, you know, try to come up with that after you do it because with screenplays and I was so used to doing, you know, the log line and make it fit, but make it exciting. And then you, when you're sending it to a, a studio or you're sending it uh, even for a book, you, you want so, you have to give a lot. So they'll say, Oh, this is something they want to read, you know, or watch. But when they did the storyline for this show, which became only, it was a, from a book and I'm going to read it to you, and it's all about lies and things. The tagline that they used was, a perfect life is a perfect lie. And then Ah. it said, big little lies is a brilliant take on ex-husbands, second wives, schoolyard scandal, and the dangerous lies we tell ourselves just to survive. And it's written by, mm, just, by oh, Anand yeah. Patel. I know, and I'm. I keep it on my. I keep looking at it because I'm thinking this is really true. It's all, people survive, and sometimes when you tell the truth to yourself, that becomes real. Then you know, mm. we, we lie to ourselves. We go like, oh no, this can't be happening, and then it, you go, yes, it is happening. And I think mm. in our characters, the same thing, and that same that thing. That said, perfect life is a perfect lie. So. There's a lot of that out there, you know what I mean? But just to put mm-hmm. it in that line is really something that keeps in people's head because we all do that, not to hurt someone well, and, or ourselves. And
3: part of our um, a, a story is not really a story if it doesn't have conflict. And so right. all, that, all those secrets, all that stuff that you're talking about makes for great conflict in a story yes. to have some yes. kind of resolution in the end.
1: Yeah. And that's what people yes. sometimes you forget that you need to do it. Yeah. <clears throat>
3: yes, I and read a story. Of not one of the, one of my um, one of my stories that I read on my Sunday afternoon was a story, and it basically had no conflict. And I was like, mm, I think you kind of missed it there. I mean, it was a story about two people mm-hmm. who came together, but it was very you know unmemorable because nothing really happened. There was nothing to overcome. Either
2: internally yeah, for the, for the right, couple, right. or there, you know, yeah. there was no conflict yeah. between them. Yeah. I mean, you know, it was just you're, nothing. You're just putting in the 300 pages until it's time to say the end, and then that you can bring it to it to a halt. There's a <laughs> lot of of books out there like that where, you know, the question that that I ask of my students a lot is, well, if they can solve it in chapter ten, why can't they solve it in chapter two? Ah. and yeah, yeah, that's a and,
1: good question. And
2: in many cases, that's true. You know, they have oh, they have this deep seated. Uh, that feeling that they can't commit to anybody. Well, unless there's something keeping them in, the, in that space, if they can solve it at the end, if they can turn around and say, you know, I think I can commit after all, why couldn't they do it up front?
1: Mm, good yeah. point. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Good Very point. good
1: point. Right. What well, what keeps this story going? And that that's true because uh-huh. when you read some books you, or, you know, you go – why did they write, you know, sometimes you don't even know what the book was, you know, it's why did they write it, you know, because you're, mm-hmm. then, you know, when I, the name of my show is A Good Story, It's A Good Story. The reason I got that is when I started doing radio, I just, all of a sudden, because my manager used to say to me, if it's, a, write a good story, like a good story is a good story, and if it's not a good story, then forget it, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and so I kept, and, and I've used that. My, well, a lot of years, because that basically the reader wants a good story, no matter how you get there, they want to sit back and go, "Oh, that was a good story." Uh-huh. And so that's what, what we makes do
3: for a good story. Yes, so I would what say part make. of what makes yes. for a good story is a conflict that people can identify, um, a satisfaction that the character overcomes that conflict, uh, and in our case, wrapped in a romance so that there's a satisfying
2: ending. Yeah. Excellently. Very
1: well yes. put. Very, very right. well I, I wrote it down. That's really good. I'm hoping that you two, are, we're going to do this again, because this is very interesting, because this is really getting to the heart of writing, of what we all do, and what we sometimes forget as authors. Uh, and, you know, the reader needs us to do this. So they need us mm. to take the time that some of us mm-hmm. don't, you know, I'm putting myself in that category because I have a, a bad habit of, which I think maybe we should discuss one thing we wanted to talk about, is how fast they fall in love and why so fast. I think, Ginger, you brought yes. that up. That was a mm-hmm. something you well, wanted to talk about. I would say
3: if you're going to have, and some of it depends, if your conflict <clears throat> is built around the couple – being at odds for some reason in the beginning which mm-hmm. a lot of authors choose to use that is that for whatever reason the, the couple doesn't like each other, they make a bad first impression <clears throat> one one likes the other one but the, you know their attention is not um, returned by the other one, then there needs to be some kind of progression from going hello my name is and I don't like you or I hate you to yeah. I love you, I think you're oh, the greatest geez. person yeah. ever. It, it doesn't just <laughs> <clears throat> and it needs to be more than just wow, I feel fireworks and attraction for you. Yeah. So I, um, in reading, there's one particular author who I really liked who did a great job of this. She has a, um, her name is Noel Adams, and she has a book called Bittersweet, mm-hmm. which is basically a story about a woman who lost her husband and this. And his cousin comes in and has loved her for a long time, and how she goes from not liking him to accepting him. And as I was reading, I kind of, you know, watched how she developed the romance, and it kind of goes something like this In the beginning, she didn't like the guy. So Mm -hmm. the first thing to the first step toward being feeling positive about him was to acknowledge him. Acknowledge some good quality about him. She finds him attractive, even if she doesn't like him. So she might acknowledge this attraction, but kind of blows it off.
1: Uh-huh.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then the next step would be an appreciation. Yeah, appreciate (laughs) the person's good qualities. So, again, you don't have to like them, but you can appreciate them. You can defend their character. You can be thankful for good quality, kind of being warm towards them, maybe not feel so judgmental and maybe more willing to consider their opinion on a matter, but you may still not particularly like them. Then the next step would be to admire them. You take their advice. You imitate a quality or action. Um, you can kind of admit, well, gee, you know what? My initial criticism or my objection was probably overly biased or exaggerated. Then your curiosity grows. You're willing to spend more time with them. You acknowledge their values. You, you have similar values or mutual interests. You find that you're thinking of them more often, and then finally it moves to adoration, which would be to openly acknowledge the warm feelings, desire to be in the person's company, and think they're wonderful and the great match. And so, so you're not just going from I hate you. I'm attracted to you. Now I'm in love with you forever. There, there's something, some plot points and a development that you can create scenes around. And using a little outline like that helps you to plot scenes to to draw them through that process. And a couple of well, other that would things take that, that takes I made, time,
1: though. That's a good thing because you know if you start out thinking about all of those things, you don't like them, you acknowledge them, you appreciate them, you admire them, you're curious, and then you your adoration, that takes time, and that's a good way to think about it. But mm-hmm. the, the time you get there, you've well done a lot.
3: Yes, got and, a lot of uh, work done. yes, and a lot of people think that the writing, the middle part of a story is part of the hardest part, but if you have some kind of framework like that, knowing yeah. kind of what needs to happen in that middle, then you can create scenes you know, that hit on some of those points so that you can have the one character admire the other and um, want to imitate them. You, yeah, you can set, set up, up situations, situations in which there's a need to that. To yeah, do that. exactly. Yeah. So it, it helps, you know, give you some ideas for that, of, you know, what wow. you can write in that middle part
2: that can be so difficult. And Well done. That's really, really, that's excellent. Ginger, that's fantastic. Yes, and you know what? Well, I was just Ginger,
1: thinking, have you thought Lee, of writing anyone... a book? Ginger, why don't you write a book about this? Because, well, actually, just...
3: I just did a, um, a blog post that Lee posted on her blog last month that's... that is called The Progression of a Romance. So if anybody wants right, to look but, at that, okay, but I, it was really in so
1: elaborated into a book, right? I, that's why it's so. I mean, but I think sometimes the authors need to hear this uh, because I think sometimes, you know, you, you start one way, but you don't have a plan. You know, I'm speaking Mm -hmm. like this because sometimes I don't have a plan, and I've had so many authors over the last seven years, and some people just write a book, some people plot it, some people just let it happen, or some people change in the middle, or then they change the beginning, (laughs) they don't like the way that is, and I think, you know, I'm one of those that just goes and plows ahead, and then... Which does take a lot of time because when you get to the place you need to, then you probably have to get rid of the whole beginning because it didn't work right, you know. And <laughs> yes, you
2: know, which Everybody's is which happens is a lot. Little different.
1: Yes, and but sometimes when you put it in a simplified way, which Lee also does, and both of you do, both do this, you know. And so anybody that's listening to the show and when it's certainly on archives, it fits in every way you write. It's not just historical. It's every yes. time mm. you're writing everything, any kind of everything. romance mm-hmm. or any relationship. Mm-hmm. It needs this. So you know, even mm-hmm. let's say someone's a, you know, let's say a stepmother comes into the situation. All of those things that you just said, that could be a stepmother and, that, and a yeah, daughter. And development, uh, yeah,
2: yeah, and yeah. development of, of that relationship yeah. with with a yeah. uh, new a new person in the in the life. Excellent yeah. point. Uh, Excellent point.
1: Maybe I, but can it it Again, <laughs> I
3: can follow Yeah, And, in, and, and I, I think in, in real life it makes sense because we don't normally go from disliking someone to absolutely adoring them in one step. There's some kind of right. thought process. Something happens and it takes time and, and the thinking evolves. And that kind of brings up another point that I have um, feel kind of passionate about, and that is using introspection to – really help the reader immerse in a romance. So in the case of what we were just talking about, the reader needs to hear this internal dialogue. How is this character moving from appreciating the person to suddenly admiring them? And how do they move from admiration to um, um, adoration?
2: Mm -hmm. And
3: the way we know that is by hearing what's going on inside the heads of the characters. And I've noticed, too... One thing that I've read several romances recently where it was like, gee, you know what, this, this book really needed a, a good editor, and so much of the book should have just been left out. The reason romance readers are reading is because they want to read about romance. They don't care about a lunch date someone had or what the character did at work unless those scenes relate directly to the development of the romance. Um, yes so for a reader to get the full and that's an inter- and that's field- a very
1: good point that's a really great point because that's true you know and we lose track because then somewhere along the line somebody says oh i'll put a murder in i'll do this i'll put that in yeah sometimes it gets yes. in the way and or add another character i have that you know i i think for myself as a test i mean i do put a lot of characters in my scripts even and uh for me, like when I'm watching, let's just say, a movie, and I'm, it's like an old movie, and I'm going like, there's not as many characters in it. They just, it's about them. It's mm-hmm. not everybody around them. You know. And that's an important part to think about because sometimes when you're in the middle of writing and you go like, oh, this might be a little boring, so I'll bring in so-and-so, and then it only complicates it for the reader. And like you said at the beginning, the complication of reading a book could make a person put a book down. And say forget about right. it. Right,
2: especially yeah. The shorter the the shorter the book, the more the focus needs to be tightly on the hero and the heroine. Yes. If you're writing yeah. a longer, you know, a longer, more involved book, then yeah. you can bring in the subplots. But if you're writing a novella, then really the focus of every scene has to be the hero and the heroine. Yeah. Um it, it it's right. rare that you have right. time and energy from the reader to devote to something else. And and once you lose the focus on hero and heroine, then, you know, you've really lost the reader's attention. I do want to say one more thing about introspection, and it's very important in the sense that Ginger brought it up, of being able to share what's going on in the emotions of that character. But many times new writers use introspection at at the cost of action. It is Mm, way (laughs) easier it is way easier to write a scene where the heroine is thinking angry thoughts about the the hero and then a scene where the hero is thinking angry thoughts about the heroine. It's much easier to write those scenes than it is to put them in a room and let them fight it out. But which Mm. one would you rather read? You'd rather read, you'd rather be right there and watch it happen. And so introspection can be way overdone. It needs to be reserved for those important moments when we need to be inside that character's head and there's no other way to get that information.
3: Well said, well said. And I would say, though, too, uh, if there isn't any introspection, then a lot of times it's hard for us to see very small progressions of someone, you know, moving from, exactly "Hmm, you know, maybe I I should reconsider that person. You know, maybe I was wrong, because generally you have to admit it to yourself before you're willing to admit it to someone else. But I totally agree, Mm -hmm. Lee. Any time that I have found um, that I have to do even backstory anything, if it can be – within the context of dialogue
2: with someone, much more interesting yes. than just much yes. a info dump yeah. than
3: as, yeah. As, yeah. As, as, yeah. as a narrative. And, yes. and the
2: other and the other thing about introspection is it doesn't necessarily need to be long passages. We don't need six pages in a no. row of introspection. No, It can Sometimes be, it can be done with a line here and two, here or <clears> there.
3: Yes, yes just yeah. to kind of bring it along. i I found though too that it can be a actually a plot device in some ways. I was um watching a TV show that actually had 46 episodes recently, and one thing that it used was the hero or the heroine having a flashback to a romantic moment when the couple was actually apart. So that was a way to inject romance into areas of the story where there wouldn't have been any romance otherwise. And I thought that was – Yeah, I've
1: noticed that. I've noticed that in some of the series now when they do that, you know, and I I was never fond of it, you know, sometimes writing too many flashbacks, you know, uh, because sometimes that, well, when I was doing screenplays, I would lose, you know, thought for the, but I've seen this a lot now and because now there's so many series, like you said, how many did you watch? 46. So you have time (laughs) to keep doing that. You know, I mean that's that's mm-hmm. a lot. That's a forty six you watched? That was forty six yeah, episodes. Forty six yeah.
3: episodes. It was actually um it was a Turkish T V show movie called Kurt, Say it, and Shura on uh, Netflix. Um and it was just interesting though to see because this was a Turkish production, you know, just some differences and I and that was one thing that I don't think I've ever seen really in American television, but it was effective the way they used it, like I said, to inject romance into some situations where they're, you know, where your couple is apart, which was part of the conflict,
2: yeah. which
3: allowed you, the the romance person, to, you know, still have your little romance ears tickled when there really wasn't any romance going on.
1: All right, so how much romance is enough, you know, or, or not enough? I love, I don't know if that's exactly what I want to ask, but you know, if you're saying, you know, to do, like, you know, not add so much action and things like that, but what do you have them doing? I mean, what do you, what do you think pulls well, characters do, together in the this story?
2: Keep the focus on the hero and the heroine, uh, rather than adding other other kinds of yeah. action. Every yeah. every piece of every piece of the plot line should involve them. Every piece of the plot line should complicate their story, not just yes. be added <laughs> to it. And it needs to be okay. a cause and effect sort of thing, rather than bringing yeah. in. Oh, you know, this is dragging. So okay, I'll have a tornado hit. Um, right, you know, right. that it be a complication of something that's already there.
1: Right, or not just to add a sex scene, just to add a sex scene, because you know. Yes. Sometimes oh, I've heard people say that. This
2: is one of my pet hobby horses: is sex scenes. Okay, are the know. For sex, I scenes. know. I know um, that, Because I know. you
1: know, and,
2: and the way that I like to phrase it is, a a love scene in a romance novel is not like adding frosting to a cake. It's like right. baking the cake.
1: Okay, you, can't out of the
2: baking. <laughs> you know, once, once okay, you bake yeah. the cake, the, the cake changes and it can never go back to the way it was before. Too many times we see love scenes that are just added like the icing on top of the cake. You can take it yes. off and the cake is the same. And yeah. nothing has happened to those characters because, um, because of the lovemaking. And, and in fact, how can, how can you not change when you make love with somebody? How can you not change and so that not only changes the characters, it changes the story, it changes the entire structure of the relationship. Well, I would
3: say it should. I would say that our society, or at least what is shown on the media now, is showing that a hookup is nothing more than just you know having lunch. But I yeah. would agree with you. It
2: it should yeah. it should be. A game no. changer. And, it should be and a game changer. And in the romance, you know, I, I also like to tell my students that in, the, in romance, heroes and heroines do not have sex. They cannot have sex. They always make love. They may not even know it. They may mm. think it's a one-night stand. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, they're not just fulfilling a physical function. They are making love. There is an emotional mm. connection there. And when there's an emotional connection, then that does change the people. Yeah, well, and I think it, um, another connection. thing
3: that... Yeah that can be confused too is that sex is romance and romance is sex and that's not necessarily oh, yeah. true because i write yeah. um yeah. i don't write any yeah. sex scenes at all but and i yeah. you know I write I've seen somewhere even that but i someone once said that a skilled writer can make a man untying his cravat seem extremely sexy and romantic oh yeah,
2: yeah. when yeah.
3: there's really nothing inherently sexy about that at all but yeah. and again, how and a, you know an a, touch,
2: scaled, a, right. a touch, a kiss, a look can be yes, a, a, a look, love scene. Exactly. Yes.
1: mhm, Yeah, I so like that. I, that, I, see, I like foot, the look part. Foot foot because, you know, when you a when they have rub can a look, be a
2: wonderful love scene. Yes.
1: yes. What was that? I didn't hear and that and one. You a said a, foot rub be a rub
2: can be a wonderful love scene okay. if it's well done because it's sensual, it's emotional, it's caring, it can be a love scene. And, you know, we think in terms, a lot of, of authors think in terms of a love scene is only sex and it's not as mm-hmm. much more than that. It's any intimacy yeah. between the couple.
3: And I think conversely, just because it's a sex scene does not necessarily mean it's
1: a romantic love scene. That's right. true. That's very true. Uh, you know, and um, for me, you know, and I, I, cause you know, way at the beginning when I, started doing radio shows uh you know i had some it, we, i remember the story you know so many people would come on and say oh yes we just you know we write the book and then we put in a sex scene i'm going like what i mean you know it yeah and, well, so, you do that. Yeah. Right. yeah and that's one of the things yeah and um in my uh guilty pleasures that i wrote it's a, she's you know an escort but she's also a doctor because and she's doing this for money but she every time she does have well with certain men she just does have a big connection to them i mean and it's not just for her it is making love it's not that's that's a troubling thing for her because you know it's not just one two three goodbye so you know mm. you don't need all those and and What I've decided after doing a lot of this, it's not necessary. She didn't have to do all of that. Do you know what I mean? And so then I, and some of them I had her going places and doing stuff with them because I think you can't just be in bed the whole time, you know, and I'm thinking, oh, my God. And that seems to be what a lot of people want in their books, the lunchtime sex reads. But, you know, for me it's not working mentally to keep, because as a writer, I'm going like, oh, fine, you know, and to me, that I've never been that kind of writer, and I don't, it doesn't, you know, that is not what I feel you can even get from, they can't learn each other, about each other that way, just by being in bed, it's by what you're saying That's is doing other things, or, you know, like sitting, maybe just, you know, getting a foot rub or something like that, for a character. And that would, like mm-hmm. you say, be sexy. And I think that's what's happened now. People just want, you know, they just hop in and out, and then they're gone, and you know, and then it's over. But that's really has to be something more, you know, for a, a good well, connection. It does have and to I be guess,
3: something more.
1: Yeah.
3: And I guess, too, it goes back to what is the reader looking for? Are they basically looking for... Yeah, pornography in the in the form of a story for a, you know kind yeah. of a quick fix kind of thing, or are they looking to be immersed in a story? That,
1: I agree. Much that's more a, than that, that's that a good that way to put I mean, it, so it. Yeah, <clears> that's a really good way to put it because the truth is, sometimes, you know, I've I've said this on many many of my shows. I take words in, I put them out. I take words in, I put them out. And you know, for me, you know, I've made my decision. It's not happening anymore. So I'm I will be doing romance books, but not as sexy as I did because for me, I, after writing them, no, I, I I agree with both what you're both saying, because for me, it wasn't getting anywhere in the book, you know, like nothing happened. Mm -hmm. (laughs) There's nothing, you know, so then I decided, well, and I, I thought, well, I'll put a, a murder in it because I can write that. I did that a lot for my screenplays. And then I thought to myself, why don't I just go back to writing mysteries and thrillers because I kind of like that, you know what I mean? And that's <laughs> yeah. what I did, yeah. you know, and um, because when you're doing it right, and because it's such, it became such a huge market that, you know, I'm. I, that's why I tried it. I figured I had so many people on my show, I go like, well, I'm going to try this, you know, but for me it wasn't working, you know, and uh, so I think people have to really think what they want to do. If they really want to write a good story, just write the story. Don't worry so much about how much sex they're having. It's romance is much more interesting for the reader, I think, like what you're saying. Yeah. You're it right. also
2: depends very much on the characters on what's right for yes. them. Yes, uh, yes. And, and the situation that you have the the readers in. It's you yes. know, if, if you have a co- uh, two people who are staying at a relative's house over Christmas and there's a house full of kids, well, you know that's just really not as as appropriate for them to be running right. in and out of each other's bedrooms yeah. as it is if they're stranded on a desert isle. Uh, right. You know, it, it dep- and, and what's appropriate to these characters? You know, you're you're not going to have a a heroine who is uptight because um, she was sexually abused, and then all of a sudden she turns into oh this this
1: screaming Fine maniac, um, you know, right. who can't get enough yeah. sex. It's not going to happen. Yeah. It's not convincing of the character. Right. I I think, you know, I've taken notes because I think what you both have lined up here, you know, for me as an author is a way to alleviate the the problem is try Mm -hmm. to think of, you know, make a plan of what's going to happen with your characters. Are they going to end up together if they're, you know, and that's sometimes hard, though, because sometimes they don't end up together. Something else happens along the way. (laughs)
0: <laughs> you know, well if it's a romance,
2: <laughs> they end up together. But yeah, sometimes right. that yeah. feels
3: forced.
0: Yeah. You know, sometimes
2: yeah. that does not feel like it is a logical outcome. Uh, right. But if if it's a romance then they do have to end up together,
3: they have to. so you have a, Unless you're Nicholas Sparks, right? Uh, well, yeah, that's a whole different thing. You know what,
1: he considers himself, he says he's not considered, he doesn't even know what they consider him, but he's very successful. Yeah, he gets,
2: so. he gets very offended if anybody says he's writing romance, that's
1: for sure. I know, but they don't, I don't know, because yeah. he writes just yeah. a story. I think that's what he writes, is just a good a story. And, a good you know, story. Well, I've learned yeah. not to yeah. watch
3: a movie unless I watch the end first, if it's if it's based on a book that he did. <laughs> <laughs>
2: well, I think that, you know, Marcia, both of you, I... I Marsha, I Go. wanted to give your readers the name of my blog because um, Ginger's yes. post on there is just fantastic, and yes. there, she brings it out step by step. It's called Reading, Writing, and Regency, and if you Google that, it'll take you right to the, to the blog post that, um, that Ginger put up about developing the relationship.
1: Yeah, and I think that, you know, I, I really do appreciate you, you know, because you don't take this lightly. So when you refer somebody... <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty good, you know, because I already know you. But I know you pretty well, you know, after all these years already, you know. But well, I was you know, very and Ginger, Ginger's post. yes, and Ginger, you know, having you on, you know, having both of you on, I, I actually think it's been so helpful for me. I have written a lot of things because I do, you know. Every writer should try to write better than they do, if they're really yeah, writer, Exactly. Like, you know. Yep. Uh, not worse. <laughs> so I think when you, in my when case. You stop
2: trying, when you stop try, yeah. reaching to try to be better, then you definitely do get worse.
1: Right. Mm. So you have to really think about what you're doing. And so, you know, I, I would love to have both of you on again. I know, Lee, I appreciate you. I know you have to go because you're on the road. I think you're driving. I'm going to be driving pretty soon, yeah. Yes. And do you want to tell people where they can find you? You
2: can find me on, uh, <laughs> online at www.leemichaels.com, L-E-I-G-H-M-I-C-H-A-E-L-S. My blog is Reading, Writing, and Regency. Um, on Facebook is Lee Michaels, and Twitter is at Lee Michaels. And I'd be happy to have you come around.
1: Okay. And
3: uh, Ginger? Um, GingerMonette.com. It's G-I-N-G-E-R-M-O-N-E-T-T-E.com. And I have a brand-new blog called blighty and beyond which is on facebook and um on a blog blog and it is all
1: about the medical system in world war one can i just ask one question you know like i I think when people are writing you know when you're saying it's stout Abbey meets you know i think a lot of people stay away from that and i think it's such a good idea that you did that i used to with with, you know people sometimes say oh don't say it's like this or like that but sometimes it gives people at least the idea of what the story is you know what you're writing so they know what to expect kind of, yes, in a nutshell.
2: Yeah. If it's well chosen, if it's well chosen, if it's not well yeah, chosen, I think then so just, too. It's confusing.
1: Yes, see, that's, you know, I've learned a lot from both of you. Thank you so much for being on, and thank you all for listening. And I will, I'm going to be posting this, as I did already, but I'll be tweeting it and posting it because this is a really good show for any type of writer. It's not just, you know, sometimes they go, oh, historical. I don't write historical. Well, if you're a writer, you write, you write, and that's all it is. And the advice you've both given me, me and our audience, thank you so much. I appreciate well, thank you it. Be careful it. on the road, and both of you are definitely coming back. We'll do another thank, thank you, you so Marshall. much. I, I was going to say threesome. I don't know how that sounds, but that's okay. <laughs> 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 All right. Thank you, ladies. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye bye. Bye bye.